Welcome to That's the Word, wholesome tales for the whole family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, Unbelievable Expectations. Unbelievable, the contractor sighed. Yet again, management had shoved him into a very awkward situation. He was new to this business. The contractor did not consider himself qualified for his position. The truth was he had no proper training for the job. Yet, this did not matter to management. The contractor thought of extraordinary demands, each of them fully met by management. But that was not what was so unbelievable. The contractor's first project seemed daunting, but he completed it with such smashing success that he quickly earned a reputation. Such was his reputation that when he began his next project, a flood of applicants signed on. The contractor was excited. Management was not. Too many people, the contractor was told, For the first time in his life, he was given the unenviable task of letting people go. Management did help the contractor craft a message to encourage many to resign of their own volition. The result was effective. The workforce was reduced by over two-thirds, with those leaving realizing the project was not suited for them. But that was not what was so unbelievable. Now the contractor felt equipped with what he needed and was ready to begin the project. There seemed to be no further hurdle in the way, which is why the contractor was incredulous when management ordered the layoffs, despite already massive deductions in numbers. The contractor knew that there were no issues regarding finances nor benefits. Management wanted these layoffs solely because management felt that these many workers would be too effective. Most of them had to go. The contractor was flabbergasted. His team was already greatly reduced. How was he going to get the job done with even less help? However, he knew arguing would be futile. He knew from his limited experience that management would not alter any decision. But even this was not what was so unbelievable. What was so unbelievable was the criteria management gave to the contractor to determine which workers would remain on the project. The qualifications seemed ludicrous and had absolutely nothing to do with the project. The contractor felt that he was placed in a position of ridicule. All the efforts achieved thus far would seemingly be undermined by what management was now asking of the contractor. It certainly was easy for management to make the tough decisions when it was the contractor who had to deliver the hard news. Even so, the contractor trusted management and called together his team over a drink. 
Without offering explanations, he delivered the news plainly. When it was all said and done, only 3% of his team remained. Finally, management was satisfied and gave the contractor the green light to proceed with the project. The contractor met with his gutted team, formed three working groups, and proceeded to the work site. Against unbelievable odds, the project was completed, a project that benefited not only the contractor and his small team, but their entire people. For when the management described in this story happens to be the God of Israel, everything does work out according to his designs. He knew that the Israelites needed to be delivered from the hands of the Midianites, so he sought an unlikely leader from the small Israelite tribe of Manasseh. Despite the candidate's protests that he was not qualified and asking for seemingly impossible signs, the Lord knew that this man possessed the qualities necessary to carry out the mission. This man trusted the Lord through it all, even when it meant reducing his force from 32,000 to 300 men. To ensure that the victory was not due to the power of men, but the power of God. A famous biblical figure, whose first assignment of destroying a pagan altar earned him the name Jerubbabel, but is first introduced in the book of Judges as someone beating out wheat in the winepress, the son of Joash the Abiezrite, named Gideon. And for this week, that's the word. So, John Peter, if you had a force of 135,000 against you and you were asked to go in with a start of 32,000 people that was then reduced to 10,000 people, which was then reduced to 300 individuals, how would you respond? I sure as heck wouldn't attack the 135,000 without weapons. And that's a whole nother thing we didn't point out, right? What's the deal with you just saying about the weapons? So God also told them, instead of carrying in swords or arrows or any useful weapon like that, you're going to get a horn and a jar with a torch in it, which I guess is somewhat useful, but not when you're fighting 135,000 people. God's ways are definitely not our ways. And that's why we wanted to bring up this story. Most people, I think, I was thinking of another story where the impossible seemed to happen, where the Israelites just walked around the city and then the walls came down. This story is rooted in the book of Judges in the Old Testament, chapter 6 and 7. But we wanted to kind of unveil the story a little bit for you all, just to understand what it is that we were talking about as we went through unbelievable expectations. You have Gideon, who is prepared to go into battle against the Midianites, who are going to be driven out by God. And he had 32,000 people. And then God comes along and says, we have too many people. So here's the test. If you are afraid... Gideon, tell the people if they are afraid to let you know. 
and we have um, 22,000. 22,000 people say that they're afraid. And so they're just dismissed. And then God says, there's still too many people. We got 10,000. And so the test is, we're going to have them drink water. And if you are going to drink water by bringing the water to your mouth and lapping up water like a dog, then you can stay on the team. And it wound up only being 300 men that did so. And it was them that conquered 135,000 Midianites. I don't know about you. If the if I approached a stream and was pulled to drink from it and also told that it wasn't poisoned with some sort of fertilizers or something like that, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if my first instinct would either be to kneel down and lower my head to the water level to drink like normal animals would or scoop my hand and then lap at it. I think I would just like scoop it in my hand and pour it into my mouth. It's very interesting. I would have a water bottle probably. And I would just put the water bottle in and I mean, nowadays, I don't know what I would do back then. I, I probably would actually bring the water to my mouth and lap it because I mean, it's like a cup. Yeah, I guess I guess I never tried to drink water from my hands. That's an interesting experiment, which we will not demonstrate on our podcast right now. <laughs> I'm backing up to, to the beginning of the story, just to clarify a few other things that we mentioned. When we were saying that Gideon was making demands of the management, what we were referring to was his request for a sign where he brought out some food that was soaked and the angel touched it and it went ablaze. The other thing was his first project, which was such a smashing success, Mm -hmm. was when God told him to destroy the altar of Baal, one of the false gods that was in his hometown. If you enjoy That's the Word, please share the word. You can see the story extras for this story, Unbelievable Expectations, at thunderrock.org, where we'll have linked Judges chapter 6 and 7 so you can read the story for yourself. Thunderrock.org is also where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter and where you can find our social links and our email if you have any feedback or story ideas. Thanks for listening and join us next Wednesday for another wholesome tale for the whole family.